Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of a West Seattle NASCast in depth. I want to begin by apologizing that we have not released an episode for a bit. Life has gotten the the better of us over the last month or so, but we're back. And uh, today we're releasing the second half of our uh, podcast with Chuck, and we'll have more episodes coming very shortly. Uh, thanks for listening. Without further ado, let's get to our episode, Grace and Peace. All we need is a place to be and a few good friends for some company. If you'd like to stay, you don't have to leave. We'll leave the lights on and the door unlocked. If you drop on by, you don't have to knock. We're happy to share whatever we've got. Ultimately, how many probably years ago, 13, 14 years ago, came to this church? I, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of a blur, but... 12, 13 years ago? What brought you here? Like, we're, we're really thankful you're here. But what, what led you here, and what was your first impressions of this quirky little church? Well, As my dad laughs in the background. I, I figured that... The number of years that the Methodist Church over at Highland Park uh, would exist, we were a dying church. If you think uh, we weren't, weren't dying, we're the youngest people in the church, and, and we're not kids. There's no kids, nothing to, no support, no pillars. Uh, I, I wanted to uh, move into a dynamic church, which... <laughs> you may not think this is dynamic, but this church had children. My gosh, a little tykes for her. I love our, our worship service when the kids run around a little bit. None of the grown-ups seem to get uh, upset about it. I've been to churches where, the, boy, that would be a no-no. We gotta let our children be children. It's that's that's the way I look at it. And I like to see Tanner running around. <laughs> I I know you you get disturbed by it, but I think it's great. Chuck, that's good. You had a ch- my dad just said you had a well, church. That, that was essentially it. Uh, one one day, some of our youth were not all that church oriented. They, they, they loved the youth group because they had fellowship there. We put on dances, we put on plays, we put on uh, stuff for Kenny Home. We put on yeah. stuff for uh, uh, another home up uh, on California, and uh, we did all sorts of things like that. And we went to. We recycled paper and glass to make money to go on outings. That youth group certainly formed me a lot. Those kids taught me way more than I ever taught them, to be honest with you. We had prayer groups and so on, too. I When I, I came, uh, I was, what, I was 30... 
one thirty-two, first-time pastor. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. Nobody say amen, please. Um, and so a couple of my earliest memories meeting you. I was a bit intimidated to meet you because you were you were the famous Chuck I had heard of. I figured I needed to impress you. Um, but a couple of memories I, I had that stand out from my early years of meeting you. The first is a story you've told me now a couple times about Kristen, where you and Alice were in church and uh, Kristen was there, but she was sitting in a pew alone. Do you remember this story? Yeah. yeah do you, uh, why don't you tell it? Well, normally she sat with uh, my friend Ken and Sylvia over there, but that particular day, she was sitting there alone, and uh, I didn't realize that she and Sean were maybe somewhat involved together at the time, but I, I seen her up there alone. I was romancing I, her, Chuck. Huh? I was romancing her. I know. That's a good thing. Okay. But, but <laughs> anyway, she was alone, and I invited her to come back and sit with Alice and I because I didn't like to see young folks in church alone. It's just that simple. Mm. So that story, you got me. And then the next thing that got me was I was, again, a young pastor. I had no idea what I was doing. And, you know, just trying to figure out a worship service every week was crazy and you know i had very judgmental people like bro over here was telling me we needed to sing the contemporary music uh and i had other people were telling you we should sing more hymns and uh there's a perception uh in the church world i don't know if you know this that you know a lot of the old seasoned veterans of the church they like the hymns and the young kids they like the contemporary music and every time i talked to you you would you'd give me another song recommendation of one of the contemporary songs to sing <laughs> you like the new stuff, don't you? Well, it, it, I, I'll tell you, the kids I had in the youth group loved contemporary music. And the old there's nothing wrong with the old music either. Believe me, I, I, I love the old songs. Uh, How Great Thou Art is just about as fine a song as one can run across. But these young people have written so many songs that are so scriptural, it impresses me. And it's, they're so lovely. I mean, you, you can't deny it. And I see how the young people celebrate in church. I don't know, you probably have never heard of Hillsong. But if you go and look, watch them on YouTube, you'll find out how young people really celebrate the Lord in church. It, 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 it impresses me to no end. I, they're up and boy, I tell you, it's, it's active. I love it. We're, uh, in get ready. We're com coming to you next. This is my probably last question. I say probably unless Chuck says something that that peaks something. Uh, so get ready with your lightning round um, for Chuck. It's it's almost a shame on my part that we've talked this long and I haven't brought this up. So this is your this is your chance on this topic. I'm gonna tee the ball up for you to hit it out of the park. As I've known you 
and I think you hinted at it earlier, one of the deep loves of your life, beyond Beverly, beyond Alice, beyond the church, one of the deep loves of your life is the Holy Scriptures. And um, you are somebody, every time I've come to your house for prayer or to just stop by or even chatting in church, you are somebody that just keeps going back to studying the Scriptures, even at 89 years old, learning sending me podcasts, sending me YouTube links, uh, buying me books to read. Um, What is it about the Bible that has so captured your imagination uh, to to, to this date, even being someone who will spend real time this week even studying the scriptures? Yeah. In in my study, and... uh, Yes, I did buy him a book. He hasn't read it yet, by the way. <laughs> and and uh, I've been on him about it. I said, I, I told him it would enrich his faith to a measure that. Are you calling me out on a, on my own podcast? Yes, I, I'm. <laughs> I'm letting the congregation know. We'll that, see if I edit this part out. That they <laughs> should get on this guy to read that book because it, it 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 gives you. A view, particularly of the Old Testament, that you will not get by reading the Old Testament. Very, you 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 you'll gloss over these things, and it's written by a scholar, and he's a Hebrew scholar too. He he reads and writes Hebrew scripture. He looks at the original scripture, not the King James version. He looks at. Hebrew scriptures, and uh, there's something lost in translation. There definitely is. Uh, I even study some of the modern uh, Jewish people that will read the Christian scriptures and comment how it relates to the Old Testament and so on. Uh, they they don't make the jump to Christianity. They just. But anyway, Scripture is. Without it, we, we would be lost. What would you know about a God that loves us if it wasn't for Scripture? I, I my gosh, you just would know nothing. Life would be, in my opinion, somewhat meaningless. You'd live your life and die. That's the end of it. We have no hope. And believe me, I think mankind, womankind, whatever, needs hope above all. And I think the scripture presents something before to us that if we make errors in life, we better err toward the side of love. It's, it's, it's in my heart that we err on the side of love. That, that, that quote right there. If we make errors in life, we better err on the side of love. Yeah, I, I, believe, I think you just summarized the scriptures. Well, I, I believe it wholly. It's it's something that's I read in the scripture daily. That's right. It's a, it's a way of life. It's yeah. 
I don't always do what I say, but I, I think that's one thing I really have ingrained in my thinking, my psyche. Yeah. All right. It's your time. Please, uh, if you have a question for Chuck, please step up to the mic and talk into it so we can get it on the podcast. Uh, who would like to kick us off? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, oh. Chuck, my pancake breakfast eating buddy. Um, I'd like you to touch on the 34 years as a metallurgist. But tell us a little bit about what that entails, what you did. Great question. My back oh, hurts. Boy. Sit down and take this question. This will take hours. We, we don't have the time. Well, I'll, I'll briefly tell you. Uh, yeah, briefly. Uh, the metallurgical department of Bethlehem Steel included mechanical testing and chemical testing of all products leaving the plant. And uh, we have standard specifications to work for. One, one of the things that I, I remember a lot about, because I wrote the, the specs for the metals that went in some parts of the World Trade Center, that's my claim to fame. I wrote the actual uh, documents and had them approved uh, through uh, the process. That, that was one of my highest jobs, by the way, I thought. Uh, we, we supplied 40,000 tons of steel for that World Trade Center. It was fabricated down here on Hudson Street by Pacific Car and Foundry and barged around. Whew. Uh, through the Panama Canal, of course, but, uh, that, that was one job. We, we supplied all the steel for the West Seattle Bridge. I wouldn't claim and, and, that. And, <laughs> this. <laughs> there, there's no failure of the steel in West Seattle Bridge. There's only failure of the concrete. Is, and, and we tested all the steel that goes into any any building to, to make sure it meets spec. Uh, sometimes uh, it'll be tested by an outside lab to assure that it meets specification. And uh, one of the horrors that, that you have is. Well, I rose to the highest point in the metallurgical department. I was chief metallurgist. Uh, during the end of my career, from 77 to 91. So uh, I had to sign every test report. Well, every test report had my signature on it. So so I was certifying that it met spec. And that's an awesome thing to... It, it is. It's it's a it's a responsibility that one does not necessarily like to take on. <laughs> but but you have to be very careful. Yeah. Because if a product fails and somebody is injured or maybe loss of life, my gosh, you never live it down. And, and I'm thankful that that 
never happened for me, at least. I, of course, it's a, it's a, it is a big responsibility. Who's this young man? One of the first memories was when we went to your uh, place for uh, ice cream Sundays during the Amazing Race. What about Amazing Race? You remember, yeah, Jeffrey's bringing up uh, your stop, you and Alice, uh, were one of the houses we would go to for the Amazing Race with the youth group. Oh, yeah. yeah. So after, so after you had come to this church, it was just like you were reliving, uh, or not really, you were once again giving yourself uh, to be a part of the life of young people where yeah. you just opened your home to young people coming and making this massive Sunday and eating it as quickly as they can because it was part of the life of the church. Well, young people are definitely part of the church. And without young people, we have no hope for future. you got to know that. I, I mean, if you don't have little kids growing up, where's the future of the church? It, it's like I mentioned when Alice and I were the youngest people in church. That, that's a that's not a church. You got to have all ages in your church, and you got to nurture them, and you just cannot live without them. It, it just it. it you're in a dying church if you, your youngest members are, we must have been 80 some years old when when we were in our other church. And, and we were the young people. They're, they're, everybody else was You were the older. young kids. Yeah, we were the kids. Mm. Think about that. Just put it in your brain and think about it. It's not a healthy church. It doesn't have. Yeah. The cross-section of families. Good good memory, Jeffrey. Um, one last question for me. I, I, uh, you've been, we've approached this a couple of different times, and your answer has been excellent. Uh, but I remember one story you told me when you first went to college, because it was such a change-up. And when it hit you on whether or not you could even succeed, God met you in that place, or you met God in that place and asked him uh, for help. Do you recall that story? Yeah, well... Do you want to share it or not? And I'm going to give you the way. It was... Uh, the story was about after I got through uh, my sophomore year. I just finished my test. I, I think that's the one. And I, I thought I would flunk out of college. I really did. I, I didn't think I'd make it because... When you get through your sophomore year, you have to have at least a C average. And, and, uh, uh, I had to have pretty good grades to maintain a C average because I wasn't the best of students, believe me, uh, as far as scholastically. I, I learned a lot. Don't, don't think I didn't. Uh, and, and grades don't, in my opinion, don't examine you fully your abilities to function in a job, for instance. Uh, it's, it's maybe what you learn from your test and so forth that's more important. And if you learn how to uh, do all the things you did wrong in your test, 
you may be better than an A student, actually, in knowledge and abilities. And I, I think I tended to excel that way myself. Anyway, I thought I was going to flunk out. And that would be a horrendously downfall for myself. So I knelt and prayed in my dorm room afterwards about it. And uh, my grades come back. I had a B-plus average, and uh, I went on and finished college, right? Now, of about 100 students that started, I was one of four that made it in four years. The rest of them had to be five-year students. So, and it isn't because I'm all that smart. It's just because I worked hard. That, that's, as I see it, that's the truth. I worked really hard. It, uh-oh. Hey, Chuck. Martha. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Um, I'm going way back, so I wanted to go back to when you were a caregiver at 12 years old Yes. for your mom and your brother. I mean, I'm a caregiver now, and I love I love my job. I just excelled at it so much, but um, that was a lot to deal with for a 12-year-old. But, um, but, you know, you persevere, you, you, you just do what you have to get done, and you just do it. You know, that's... Especially back well, back at that time, it was hard work being raised in that time, and things were hard. You just <laughs> had to do it, right? Well, they they were, but but you don't realize it at the time. You just do it. Yeah, you know, you you, you live life as best you can, sure. even even though you're a kid. Yeah, and uh, responsibility like that of course makes you grow up fast sure it does and you fill the gap no matter what it is exactly yeah and god i love my mom amen amen um it, yeah i was just thinking about all i mean all that you did at 12 years old like you said you took care of your mom your brother you went out to the ranch and did handwork, and you did milking, and I, well, yeah, I'm just like that's an experience. That no, awe. no city slickers ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I it, my and it's just kind of strange. My question is just about the weather because you lived in Montana, correct? Yes. I'm like, do you have any stories about Montana weather yeah. when you were doing this? That was like treacherous or yeah. oh well i i can talk about how cold it gets there oh you know, yeah. Uh, yeah i i've seen it uh, over 50 degrees below zero oh Fahrenheit. oh my goodness uh, and uh and you had to go to the outhouse Woo! <laughs> oh where else are you going but it's 50 <laughs> i can't even hang with that I guess you could go out in the snow if you want. I just... Okay. Boys have an advantage, you know. <laughs> I just think... I think your your life and your stories are just tremendous. Um, well, helpful with everybody just coming up through... Having your faith and all that. Well, it's... it's 
I, I look back even further, and, uh-huh. I, and I think how the people that conquered the West, yeah. that, that life was even more cruel to them than anything I have ever faced, mm. when you think about it. Yeah. It's, I, I, I had a good life. I, I lived a, a dream life, to be honest with you. Even, even that, I, I think it, uh, Helps you grow up, and you become more aware of life in general. It just, to me at the time, it was just part of life. I just did it. I I got up early in the morning. I went out and got milking the cows and uh, separating the milk. Oh, but to do that nowadays with the kids we got. Oh. <laughs> well, can, I, can I send can I send Tanner to your house and you can can I send Tanner to your house and you can whip him into shape and no. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chad. I've had my turn. And besides that someday I'll hope you can sit down and say my life's been a dream because of my kids and uh, my wife and who I, how I grew yeah. up, and, uh, being a pastor of a church. Yeah. And I, I just hope you can someday think you've lived a dream life. You look back on 89 years and yeah. if you reach that, and it's... I, I can't say that I've missed any part of life. I've lived really well, really well. You just, I have no regrets. Bro? I got a you got to go to the mic. One thing, What's up, big guy? Yeah. Hey, I haven't seen man. you for a while. I figured since I've been here for a while, it would be a perfect time to ask a question. <laughs> so, two quick questions. Uh, 89 years? Yes. All right. In your 89 years, what is the most challenging thing in life, and what did it teach you? My goodness. <laughs> I've never thought of my life that way. <laughs> 89 years. What was the most... Hmm. I, I suppose when I made an error and I knew it and uh, I had to accept it, that, that, that's really tough. That I I had to admit that I made a mistake. It's and if you haven't made a mistake yet, you haven't lived, partner. <laughs> and I did my share. I, I made several mistakes along the way too. It's, but overall, it's been a very blessed life, very blessed. And uh, I, I wouldn't want to enumerate all my errors, but they they hurt you deeply when you recognize it. You may have hurt somebody sometime. I, I my gosh, is I. I I really do not want to hurt anybody. It's it's not in my psyche. In general, I, I, 
I want to err on the side of love. I love it. I love it. It came together so nicely, actually. Yeah. I asked the question, and I didn't realize that you were going to say that making mistakes, admitting to your mistakes, and then erring on the right side of love. Well, I, I, I don't believe one can get all the way through life, maybe except for one person that I know yeah. that's never made an error. That I know of. And uh, you know who he is? I think we know the same guy. I think we know the same guy. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, appreciate you, Chuck. Thank you. Yes, Let me, yes thank you for the question, too. I feel like I would be remiss uh, if I just didn't give you a chance to talk about one person in our church because for as long as I've been going here, this is someone you've prayed for someone you've asked about someone you've invested in um and i know someone who's dear to your heart but uh tell lorenzo worship leader lorenzo has a special place in your heart you want to give him a shout out talk about that a little bit <laughs> Who, who's that dude? yeah i don't know bro come on bro <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, Lorenzo is no different than any other member of church, but at one time I seen him kind of drift away from church and didn't show up for six months or longer. And I talked to Pastor Terry, and we had a lunch with him. I don't know whether you remember that, but I I made a plea with him that he should be back in church. We need him here. And I—I uh, I, I don't know how. I guess I do know how old he is. He's in his thirties, I believe, probably. Anyway, he's a nice young man. I, kind of people I like. Yeah. Youngsters and oldsters and in betweeners. I—I <laughs> notice you haven't made that same plea with bro. I like bro. He's fine. <laughs> All right, Chuck. Um, yeah, he, he's the leader of the Samoan young men and so forth, I think. And, and a good one. I, th I think he's probably a pretty good example bro, sometimes. No. That's, for another, that's, for another pod, that's for another podcast. Okay, bro, um, Chuck, this is your last chance, last question. Um, Speak to the next generation of church folks. You're good. I call. I started this podcast by by naming you as, in my mind, a, a good churchman, a church person. Um, speak to the Tanners and the Parkers and the Addies and Charlies and Paytons and Alyssa and Alanas um, of our community. Uh, what advice would you give? What wisdom would you impart about a life lived in in this thing called Body of Christ? Well. What I appreciate a lot is a vision a song has given me. It's got a statement in it that says, I see a generation rising up to take their place. And to me, I see a generation in this church rising up to take their the leadership roles and so forth. Now, Lorenzo, when 
just to point out, he has given us uh, a sermon message as a layperson would see it. He's not a practicing pastor. He hasn't went to schooling for it. But but he did a reasonably decent job, I thought. And uh, so I, I I think each generation's got to rise up to take their place. We, uh, we pastors have a heck of a job to keep us ruly, unruly people in in order. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, you 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 have a job, and it, it isn't easy to do a pastor's job. It's how how would you like to try to do it? it, it just think about it. it it's overwhelming. Uh, I, I went to a church that we didn't have any lay speakers, and by lay I mean people that aren't trained to be speakers. I forced myself, even though I'm somewhat shy of doing that, to present a message. And believe me, you don't want me giving you messages <laughs> because they're long and dry, and maybe not as active as they should be. But when you can listen to a wonderful pastor, and I think we have a wonderful pastor. I endorse him highly. At the time that we, I was on the board when we voted for Sean, I listened to all the other members of the board at the time, and they seemed rather encouraging to me, so I voted yes. And that's what, uh, partly why it happened today, probably. Uh, we, we give them a high recommendation, and uh, I, I personally am glad he's here. I, I hope all of you are. He didn't think I'd do that to him, but... <laughs> Chuck, thank you. Not just for that, but like for tonight. Yeah, it's my pleasure because it's the way I truly I'm, feel. I'm not looking forward to editing this because, uh, well, this is the longest one we've had so far, but I'm totally looking forward to editing this because it's beautiful. And uh, mostly uh, it's beautiful because it comes from you and uh, you're a treasure. And uh, I'm thankful that I'm thankful that we get wow. to learn from you and share life with you. I, I, yeah. um, thank you for coming tonight. Thanks for uh, thanks for all you do. And uh, how'd you enjoy your first podcast? That's all, folks. That's all. <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs>